Hi, welcome to Your Life, Your Way, a podcast series where TMU students and faculty members sharing their experience studying, working, and living in Taiwan. Now, let's get started. Hello there. Well, once again, I'm Joseph Lin, and welcome to a podcast brought to you by TMU Taipei Medical University. Your life, your way. As we discuss with some of the professors uh, of TMU about what they do, and uh, to learn a little bit more about some of the findings that they have here. Now, today the theme is about doing it right: the role of reproducibility in science. How important it is uh, for a research uh, to go through rigorous uh, trial and error. And experimentation, and then afterwards to be, uh, uh, I guess, presented. But at the same time, uh, there are a lot of uh, teams that come in and try to replicate or reproduce some of these research findings. And so we have from TMU again is Dr. Niall W. Duncan, who is the associate professor of the Graduate Institute of Mind, Brain, and Consciousness,、uh, with us on our show today. So welcome, Niall. Hello. I hope I did a good summary of what you kind of do there. Yeah, I think so. That, that's a good start. Yeah. Well, well, tell us about yourself first. Let's let's learn about you, because、uh, uh, I read that you've been to many different countries, but you originally came from.、Uh, originally, I'm from Scotland. So I, I did my undergraduate there and my master's degree there. So I, I started out、uh, doing、uh, research into rat diarrhea. Actually, rat diarrhea. <laughs> yeah, rats have diarrhea. I mean, well, if you make them have it,、yes. is that right? Okay. <laughs>、sure. Well, I'm sure the stuff they eat. <laughs>、um, yeah, we're, it's we're, questionable. <laughs> we were looking at a particular bacteria that causes a lot of.、Uh, Problems in、uh, humans, right?、So. Of course, how that reflects back to humans. Of yeah, course, yeah. So the poor old rats had to. Yes, but the... you also studied a little bit of philosophy, is that right? Yeah, I then went and did my master's in philosophy,、uh, also in Glasgow.、Um, uh-huh. So I, I took a bit of a, a change in direction, okay,、uh, and then did a swerve back again to、uh, neuroscience. Okay,、um, so. An, an unusual path, perhaps, but it is in a way. I mean, I I could see how philosophy could go against some of the understandings you may find in science, and vice versa as well. Correct? Yeah, it's it was never my intention for it to be,、uh, you know, part of the plan, but it has proven to be、mm. really useful. I, I think in.、Uh, The way I approach science and the way I think about that's、uh, true the scientific questions. Right, right,、on. right. You may develop different,、uh, uh, I guess, different thoughts about how to approach science because of your background in philosophy. Yeah, definitely. Um,、right. it, it makes you think about the issues behind what you're doing,、Correct. um, which which is really. Vital. Well, before you came to Taiwan, you've also been to many different countries, including Germany, Canada, etc. Yeah, I、uh, did my PhD in Germany and、mm. then in in Canada.、Mm. Um, then I was in China for a while, and、mm. and then、uh, I moved over to to Taiwan. To here,、uh, yeah, about five years ago or so. Five years now. Okay. Yeah. Is that、flies. the longest of your stay、it、of、is. all the foreign countries? Yeah, it you've is been actually.、Um, it is. So this has been my.、Uh, There you go. I've I've almost settled, you could say. Okay, that this is officially your second home. So far, so far, <laughs> so far. Well, yeah, it has to be the second. The next one will be the third. Then, how did this cross over into what you do?、Uh, what is called research reproducibility?、Um, yeah, is, is this a natural step towards that?、Um, it's maybe a natural step of my personality of, your, your, okay. <laughs> of being annoying.、Um, <laughs> but no, so I, I did a bit of philosophy of science during my masters,、mm-hmm. and 
um, we actually start, you know think about well what is science and what do we have to do in order to produce knowledge, um, which is what science is doing practically. Okay, but some of the um, processes and some of the structures kind of get away from the way that things should mm. be done, mm-hmm. really. Um, and so, you know, just in doing science, you see stuff going on, and I'm not the type of person that uh, can ignore problems. <laughs> I see. I see. You see one, and you have this uh, urge to yeah. try to learn more or try to reproduce it in this sense, yeah, uh, or to maybe even question some of the findings. Yeah. Um, right. Well, you know, as, as scientists, I mean, that's really our fundamental it is. job is just asking questions. All and the time. And not taking anything on face face value. Face value, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, and these are things maybe we should just do in everyday life as well. True. But, um, you know, it really is the core of the scientific yes, uh, yes. method. That, that, was, that was actually one question I was going to ask them. That this could affect how you approach daily life chores as well and things that you deal with uh, in your everyday life as well to question things all the time yeah <laughs> and to I, do fact checks as we are trying to educate the younger right now because of the internet you know there's so much information out there and a lot of youngsters believe that it's true yeah but they don't do enough fact check just like in your science you're trying to yes yeah, examine that's a really great point and a great analogy actually because um you know the people often separate science you know with like sort of capital letters out out from yeah. life but yes. you know if you're sitting at home and you you think this doesn't seem right mm-hmm. I'll go and find some evidence for this that you're doing science exactly um, and I think could be encouraged yes. in society yes. uh, more and help people realize that day to day they're doing really quite amazing things sometimes right right yeah. Let's discuss in detail again, like what is research reproducibility? Like you take a finding that is out there already and you try to reproduce the results again. And then there's also another term called replication. What's the difference here? Yeah, so there's, there's a few terms and it, it covers a really wide uh, range of different issues. But at the core of it, there is this, the, the issue that uh, the scientific method re- really requires that if you find something once, you've not really found anything yet because mm. you need to find it twice. Okay. Um, at least. At least, right? yes. yes. Um, and, you know, everyone knows that the world is uh, random sometimes mm. and that applies in science as well. Correct. So maybe you do an experiment and just randomly you see something happen. Mm-hmm. So we need to do it again mm. to find out, oh, is this an actual real effect? Mm-hmm. Um and ideally, we do that with someone else does it. Mm. You know, if one uh, person comes and says, "Yeah, I've, I did it ten times," right. and you say, "Well, can you show us then?" Because yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, again, uh, we we need to be asking questions. So that's kind of the idea of replication: that any knowledge needs to be repeated um, as much as possible um, for it to be counted as knowledge. But the reproducibility thing then starts getting into some of the problems that mean that this replication work has perhaps not been getting done um, for different reasons. Um, So the replication idea is, yeah, more kind of practical. Um, You know, how do we actually set up systems to do this? Mm -hmm. how do we change the systems we have so that people can actually do replications? Mm-hmm. Um, 
how do we change the way science is communicated mm-hmm. so that we can do replications? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you don't give someone the proper instructions, right, they can't do it again. Right, right. And again, going back to the analogy of you know trying to fact check and mm. trying to reproduce, you know, these uh, findings, these research again, whether it be numbers or methodologies, to make sure that the conclusion is valid, yep. that it's sound. And how many tests do you need to do? Is it twice? Is it three times? Is it ten times before you are certain that the findings are correct? And that's also something that is raised a lot of times, I'm sure, right? I mean, how far do you go into this before you go, okay, we've, or, or the other way around to prove it wrong, right? And if you find, if, if you've done a research where you couldn't reproduce something and only once, is that enough to shoot that research findings down already? Yeah, so uh, there's, there's a lot of questions in there sure. uh, or a lot of issues. So, so I mean, with some um, some research we're not going to do it more than once. Mm. Like if you're sending a probe to Mars, mm-hmm. mm. like costly, of course. That's one issue behind that. <laughs> yeah, and so so saying, well, you should probably replicate that probe. Uh, the scientists doing it, I'm sure, would love to do that, right. but the uh, people paying the bills probably would be <laughs> exactly less inclined. Um, and yeah, the, the amount of evidence we need, um, kind of, I guess, the bigger claim you're making. Mm-hmm. We would probably want more mm-hmm. evidence, mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of a practical issue, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're making a scientific claim, no, no matter how small in inverted commas mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. ideally you should be submitting that to the same level of scrutiny as anything else, True. because it's claiming to be knowledge. You know, we should, but realistically, we're we're not we we, we don't do that. Right. But, um, you might just want one replication there or, okay. or two. Um, but yeah, if you're designing a, a cancer drug that's going to be you know, given to millions of people, you really want to make sure that right, that's... Right, right. you may go through more repetitions yeah, than, than that, that's what's normal. Be, that's going to be given a higher uh, level of uh, evidence for that. Yeah. Right, right. Um, well, there's a lot of different levels of questions I, I continue to have now. And, and that is, one is... Um, when you're trying to reproduce some findings and then you find that it is reproducible, then great, right? But if you find it's not, does that mean it's not? Or maybe because your own research has some flaws in it? Yeah. And how do you know what it is (laughs) at the end? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this it is, could get a little complicated. This is where philosophers of science start coming in <laughs> coming and saying, in, okay. ah. "Yeah, yeah, I, I've proven it wrong once, but maybe it's because of my own flaws." Who knows? Yeah. Right? Um, so, I mean, the people, scientists, or scientists who are approaching this. Firstly, if an experiment shows a, a negative effect, mm-hmm. as scientists, we should be equally happy mm. as if it shows a positive effect. True, because both of them tell us something about right. the world. They equally, they give us equal information There's about more the world. knowledge. It's just that human beings <laughs> are uh, attracted by shiny things. Yes. So the the positive one, oh, that, that's emotionally a lot more satisfying. And that's understandable. That's just how we are. That's okay. Uh-huh. That's what the scientific method is there for, to uh-huh. protect us from these human uh, foibles. Right. But, we are still human, and human, science is done by humans. Um, so, as I say, finding negative findings is great uh-huh. uh, from a scientific point of view, because <laughs> it tells us something. Yes. Um, 
whether that negative finding is final, then no. <laughs> uh, I, but there's caveats around that because it depends. You know, if the initial experiment was maybe done on 20 people mm-hmm. and then the and it finds a positive effect mm-hmm. and then someone follows up with another experiment and they do it on 20,000 people mm. and they find no effect, mm-hmm. we can probably weight more towards the one that's been done with a huge number of people correct rather than the little one that was yes uh, initially done yeah yes but you also brought up uh, another point right here again like you said you know we want to find positive findings as much as possible it makes us feel better and the negative one you know again you may start to question about your own research etc cetera, etc cetera. so this also means that anything that is published out there may seem to be more on the positive side rather yeah. than negative and I want to draw another parallel here, like to social media. Mm. And that's what we tell a lot of people. Like when you open up your Facebook or Instagram, you're always going to see the better side of people. They want to post about, you know, their latest status. Great. Not, you know, negative things in their lives. So would that also uh, be the case with uh, your your scientific research? Yeah, that's a a really nice analogy, actually. I I, I like that. Uh Uh, I might steal that one. Okay. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, it's a huge problem that the scientific literature, well, historically has favored the positive stuff. So it's just like Instagram. It gives a misleading picture of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you're only, if the journals are only accepting the papers that get positive stuff then yeah you're you're just getting a picture of the world that is the yeah. the person in their bikini uh, right, drinking a, exactly. a, a cocktail in a in a pool right right um but that's not what the world's actually like yeah. um and that has been a huge issue in in scientific uh, publishing thankfully it's starting to change uh, mm-hmm. a bit slowly mm-hmm. um more journal editors are educating themselves as to what their responsibilities are or how they should really be approaching stuff. And a lot of the uh, better journals are now giving you, you know, you're seeing negative findings. Yeah. That were always there. Right, right. Um, But... We're aware it's there and knowing it's there, you know, we approach it that way and, and try to deal with it, of course. Yeah, but if you read the literature, you wouldn't know it was there. That is true. <laughs> um, so, you know, privately, the scientists know it's there mm. because they've all got the paper that was rejected mm. because it was negative. Mm. But, you know, since we're talking about social media and drawing a parallel there, because of the Internet, it's a lot easier to share information nowadays. And, you know, back 30, 40, 50 years ago, maybe uh, the scientific community needs to wait for journals to be published. Yeah. While as in now in the 21st century, where information flows so fast and efficiently that we may be able to find more uh, negative and positive findings because yeah. of that. Um, do, you, do you see that as the case? Yeah, I think we're, um, we're in a really interesting time mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, how science is being done and how science is being communicated um, professionally and you know, to the public. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, a great thing that happened was blogs. Okay. Because people would read a paper and go, 
hang on, there's right. something wrong here, okay. and just write a blog post. And now that's kind of being formalized a little bit, and I think uh, journals are slowly moving from this idea that they have to make a piece of paper that yeah. uh, they'll then send to a library, yes. and they're realizing the world is changing. Yeah. Um, and, and some journals are really at the forefront of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the editorial board of one for the... Uh, human brain mapping or organization of mm. human brain mapping which is a neuroimaging society okay. I, I do mostly neuroimaging work so MRI and uh, MEG and things like that okay. uh, so you handle a lot of big machines yeah. expensive ones <laughs> press expensive buttons <laughs> yeah. yes uh-huh. um, and, and we are trying to completely change the way that we present uh, research findings because we appreciate that we're no longer in the 18 20s like mm. we can you know you can have interactive stuff mm-hmm. uh, you can give people data um, so as I say I think we're at a really exciting time right. that, that we're having change so you find this as a positive thing right as yeah. opposed to like you know some people may be worried that there's too much information being thrown around because of that that it could misguide us or you know we, we sometimes could lose our focus on what we're trying to do Sure. I mean, everything has a risk. Yeah. Um, and we've seen that with uh, a lot of the COVID research, mm. in inverted commas, mm. because, you know, there's people out there who don't have the best intentions mm. and they will exploit systems. Mm-hmm. But that's true of any system. And, true. and you know, we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater just because right, right. there's some bad actors, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think ultimately the, the positives outweigh the, the negatives. Right, right, right. Uh, how far do you go back in time to reproduce a finding? Uh, I mean, uh, the medical methodologies that mm. came from 10 years ago, 20 years ago, do people still try to reproduce? Yeah, there's stuff that was done, you know, that people do, doctors do, mm. that if you then ask them why you do it, they say, oh, I was taught at medical school. And then you go and ask the people at medical school, why do you teach them this? Mm-hmm. Oh, because I was taught it. Mm. And then you kind of go back and you, for some stuff you find, oh yeah, it was just some guy. It's just tradition for some <laughs> yeah. reason. Or some guy at some hospital that was influential in like the 1890s yeah. was like, I'm going to do it this way. Yeah. And no one ever tested it. Uh-huh. And then uh, people have gone back and looked at some of these things and gone, okay. hang on. Right, 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 right. <laughs> this doesn't work. Okay. Um, or, or it's more complicated. Um, so, yeah, people are still looking at, uh, going back and looking at stuff um, from hundreds of years ago. And at least really? from... Really? Wow. F- well, maybe not hundreds, but... But decades to, and decades ago, oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. And in, you know, in psychology, which is, is not my uh, specialty, but I'm close to with brains um, yeah there's you know findings from the 1960s that people are going back and going hang on we thought this was true but actually it's not <laughs> mm. so again uh, the possibilities are so vast in this field I mean like you said you, know, you can go back and question things that came from a long time ago and maybe people have developed a certain you know uh, finding or belief behind it and now you're questioning it you know 50 years later and then finding that it was uh, not necessarily false but there might be some flaws in it (laughs) yeah or or, you know things are more complicated right exactly I think yeah okay so a a big question to ask is what is the usually the purpose of you know reproducing results Uh, I guess it depends on your 
position, maybe an attitude, uh, how, how you want to approach it? I mean, are you there trying to prove things wrong as much as possible or the other way around, prove things right as much as possible? What's the purpose behind this? That's a good question. Uh, th- thinking about your purpose is, uh, is vital and mm-hmm. not always easy, I guess. Um, well, as scientists, we're, our purpose is to understand the world. Okay. Um, I think, anyway, the purpose of science is mm-hmm. to just understand the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an amazing world. I'd like to know more about it. Right. Um, I think, unfortunately, though, the scientific system maybe doesn't encourage people to have that purpose. Um, because being curious doesn't get you promoted. Mm. <laughs> uh, so a lot of science, I think, is done with the purpose of just producing papers. Um, that's kind of the currency. Uh-huh. So, And this leads to a lot of the problems that we've been talking about, actually. If your only purpose is to produce papers, then the questions of doing things properly become less mm-hmm. paramount in your priorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about integrity. Integrity is very important in what you do now, mm-hmm. right? And you guys talk about academic integrity versus research integrity. Are these yeah. two different things? I don't see them as two different things, but they are kind of taught as two different things. So, I mean, this this then becomes really um, useful for, for students, obviously, of, of thinking about, about these things. So in academic integrity, like when we teach students about this, um, we're teaching them about plagiarism, we're teaching them about, um, you know, cheating and Right, so basic things, but they still need to be yeah. up, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, but what we don't do so well, I think, is teaching them why we care about mm. these things. Mm. Um, you know, I was taught about them at university. I don't know if I remember ever being given a good explanation why other than, you know, don't cheat, it's bad. Right. <laughs> Which it is, don't right. cheat. Yeah. Um, but no, so I see it then linking into research integrity because they're kind of the same thing. Mm. Um, academic integrity, ideas of uh, referencing your work properly, mm. um, not copying other people's work. Like, you can then take that straight into research of like showing what you've done properly, mm-hmm. um, being accountable, mm. uh, and letting other people see what you've done and then do the same thing themselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you write that so-and-so said this and this is the basis of your um, essay for example Mm. but you don't say where you found that quote no one can then go and check right well did so and so say this right Um, so then they can't you know redo what you did or they can't build on what you've done yes which is the exact same as the research that if you don't communicate to people properly that you know this is what I did here's what I found, here's the evidence, Um, you can check this yourself. They can't do anything with that either. Mm -hmm. Um, So in that way, I see the two things closely related to each other. Mm, Yes. Uh, And morally, I see them the same as well. Both of them are wrong because don't steal stuff from other people. (laughs) Correct, (laughs) right, right. Again, these are the basic things, but they're so important. And it, it, it... 
it uh, gives purpose to what we do. Otherwise, there's no purpose what we're doing yeah. without realizing it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so discipline or integrity yeah. uh, is the basis of a lot of things that we do in life. Yeah, some rules are useful. <laughs> exactly. To, even if they're there to react against. Exactly. Uh, I know we, we've uh, spoken a lot about uh, reproducibility and replication and uh, the things that uh, Dr. Duncan is doing. And uh, at the end of this uh, conversation right here, what would you like to tell any postgraduate students that are interested in your field and what they should be aware of and you know what maybe attitude they need to have to come into this? Yeah, so um, from the point of view of you know d- doing science properly, as graduate students, um, it's actually a, a tricky place to be. So a lot of the drive of the improvements that have happened over the past five, ten years mm. have come from graduate students, uh, postdocs, uh, you know, early career mm-hmm. uh, researchers. They've really been the people who've been driving all these improvements. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's difficult because as a graduate student, you don't have much power. Yeah. And your supervisor has lots of power. Yeah. <laughs> they decide whether you get paid for a start. So you're in a difficult situation. But luckily, there's lots of good support networks um, out there. Mm-hmm. Um because you might find yourself in a situation where you're being asked to do something that you know is not right mm. by your supervisor or by colleagues, mm. which is a horrible situation to be in. Mm. Or you might find that you're trying to do an experiment and it just doesn't work, which is often a good sign that the original work that you're mm-hmm. trying to base it on maybe mm. has some problems. Right, again, flawed. Um, yeah. yeah. And there's, you know, there's stories of people who have just left science because mm-hmm. they were asked to, you know, do an experiment based on something and they just couldn't get it to work. Most people's natural response to that is, oh, it's my fault. You know, uh, I'm just, I've just done it wrong. I'm not cut out for this. And they leave and they go and their life changes completely. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Which makes me really angry, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, because of the nature of how this is and, and your background in philosophy and obviously you're interested in, in human behavior as mm. well, I think. Um you asked about what uh, advice I would give to, yeah. to students. Sorry, <laughs> small detour. Um, so yeah, be aware that the support networks first. Okay. Like, be aware that you're not alone. Um, I think is really important. Yeah. Like use your university counselling people. Like speak to your university uh, research integrity officer, that kind of office, that kind of things, mm-hmm. and go online. Um, you know, there's great support networks in. Uh, Twitter, in Discord, um, in the in the show notes, a couple of Discord servers that mm-hmm. are for graduate students, mm-hmm. and one that's on open science and reproducible science. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can just go there and complain about your supervisor. Uh, Speaking about networks and groups, uh, I also read something about TMU that they have. It's called Reproducibility T E A T, as in sipping some tea. That's it. Yeah. What is this about? Yeah. So. That's so. The reproducibility uh, is uh, it's an international network okay. of uh, graduate students. All right. It was started in in the UK, hence the uh, focus on tea. I, I think. See. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you get there are chapters. Is that the right word? Yes. Uh, yeah. Have opened up all over the world. Um, we have one in Taipei at TMU that. Um, for that mostly uh, international students come along to. There's one at NTU as well that 
that is done uh, in Mandarin. Um, so we, the the one at DMU is done in in English. Uh-huh. At the moment, it's run by Eliza Parfenova, who's a Russian PhD student. Okay. Um, we started it a couple of years ago. It, students get together and they talk about issues of reproducibility, of how to do science. Talk about papers and right. get uh, some invited talks in. Right, and stuff. right. To have a good forum to exchange their thoughts, their findings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and drink some tea. And drink some tea. Um, there you go. That's an international network. So again, mm. there you, you can build up connections with people mm. um, all over the planet who mm. are also graduate students and also trying to do good mm. science. Hmm. There you go. So there's a lot of networks out there, and this is yeah. one that's international, actually, and uh, also here in Taiwan that is also available uh, to not only TMU students, but uh, any yep. student that any- is interested in re- reproducibility. Everybody's welcome. Yep. Yeah. Again, we've been talking to Dr. Niall W. Duncan, who is the Associate Professor of the Graduate Institute of Mind, Brain, and Consciousness at TMU. His research has been to prove other scientific research right or wrong <laughs> and uh, it's been fascinating talking to you and, and what you do is amazing actually so thank you for your time here that's, that's kind of you to say so it's been a pleasure yes thank you so much for listening to our podcast Your Life Your Way with TMU Tibet Medical University I'm Joseph Lin and we will see you next time thank you for joining us today Your Life Your Way is brought to you by Tibet Medical University to get more content sent directly to your device you can subscribe to our program on iTunes or Spotify. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.